Summer drinking season is long, which is why non-alcoholic beer is a great addition to your cooler. But what makes you reach for one NA beer over another? Is it great flavor, variety of styles? Maybe you just like a cool can. Well, no matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor, it's athletic. Award-winning styles, it's athletic. Huge variety, guess what? It's athletic. From IPAs, extra dark, sours, hazies, and more, to summertime favorites like light brews and goldens, it's the number one NA beer brand in the U.S. It's athletic. Ask for it. Fit for all times. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Think about it. You're hanging out at the beach. Maybe you're going to a music festival, ball game, camping, late night, early morning. Wherever the summer takes you, the best part is zero hangover the next day. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. It's the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. It's easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. It delivers now basically whatever you want. You want a restaurant, you want fast food, whatever you want, they've got it. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BASKETBALL. That's $5 off and your zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BASKETBALL. Don't forget, that's code BASKETBALL for 5 bucks off your first order and free delivery. That's with DoorDash. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. Stay woke. Bruh. New York strip steak? Ooh. This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs? Dang! With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writer. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. It's not Nerdish She Wrote today. It's something different. We had some stuff happen in the last couple of days. And so I'll be joined today by Jay King, Mo Dakil, Andrew Schlecht. I think either Andrew or Jade Hoy's producing this. Someone's producing it. Someone's putting in the work. Don't really know. Usually off these days. So partially you, partially Jade. So um, in light of everything... That has happened. Let's just give you a quick recap in case you haven't been paying attention to anything. Uh, Jacob Blake was shot in the back seven times in Kenosha, Wisconsin on Sunday. And one of the things that's not supposed to be a distraction from social justice, police brutality, issues, Black Lives Matter movement, all that stuff is the NBA. NBA players want to make sure it wasn't a distraction. And uh, then, that, at least in my perspective and my experience... Guys, that was 100% of distraction on Sunday because I didn't see the Jacob Blake stuff until later Sunday night because I was paying attention to the Lucas shot, the dueling 50-point games between Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. Um, it literally distracted me from, from what was going on. And so I had to catch up. And I don't know how many people went through a similar experience, but the Bucks on Wednesday went to the arena to play a game against the Magic and they sat in the locker room before and they were talking as a team and then they just decided we're not going out there. We're going to boycott. We got to figure something we got to figure something else out. We got to figure out some kind of movement in order to um in order to try to get some kind of change or some kind of momentum to start preventing this stuff. And so Mo, I'll start with you. Um what were your reactions to the boycott and the subsequent boycotts that then became official NBA postponements? I want to emphasize for everyone, I know, I believe Trevon Edwards and I talked about this on on the ding that was released on Thursday. Um, this wasn't the league doing this. This were Bucks players doing it, and then the rest of the players started to join in, and then the league came to the to their side and decided to stand by them on this. But this wasn't a league wide. Oh, the NBA is so progressive type of thing. This was the Bucks deciding to to put their you know 
put their their heels down and say, no, we're not we're not going to do this. We need to figure something out. And so, Mo, what was your reaction to everything that happened? Uh, I was stunned, but in a positive way, in the sense of good for these guys exercising their their rights and saying, hey, like we're not ready to play, especially, you know, the Bucks who all of this is happening in Wisconsin. I yeah. felt like, you know, for them, it was a, a deeper hurt for them. And, you know, it was very, it, every, all the reports, it's, it seems very spur of the moment for them. It felt like nobody was planning it until they, they almost got to the arena and started talking amongst themselves. We know Toronto and Boston had talked about potentially boycotting their games. And that was something that was kind of in the air, but it was kind of just caught everybody off guard. But Good for them in that situation. They wanted to get answers. I mean, they were able to get the lieutenant governor on the phone. They were able to get the attorney general on the phone trying to figure out, like, what can we do? Like, they were genuinely just working on trying to figure out how they can help in this situation. And I think, you know, impressive in, in that sense for watching guys kind of willing to sort of step back and say, it's not about us. It's there's something bigger going on. And I think we've rarely seen this in sports in general. And I think, I mean, this is this is stuff like you saw in the '60s and things like that. So I think, oh, it's a moment, man. Like it's, it's it, it really is. And, and and even if it was just, even if it was just that one game, like that's a historic thing there. And I think that was something that was uh, really kind of stood out to me. And then as the other games kept, you know, as the other teams started jumping in and saying we're not playing. You know, I was, to be honest, and, and this was probably a little bit corny and things like that, but I was proud of the league, you know, the players and things like that for literally just saying like, no, we're, we're going to stand with the Bucks. We're going to stand with this. Like, we're not down with this. Like it, they put a halt to this and it led to baseball stopping games. Right. I mean, it led right. to- yeah, that's the crazy <laughs> thing, right? Like, like the WNBA decided to, pro, you know, to, to boycott their own games. Like the, the players did the, you know, they, we had several Baseball teams say, no, 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 we're not going to do this. Uh, not today. Like, we're going to, you know, not play in solidarity. Uh, Jay, you know, you cover the Celtics, and the Celtics and Raptors were talking about, you know, they're supposed to play today on Thursday, and they were talking about whether or not they were going to boycott um, and sit out that game as a form of, of protest, as a form of demonstration. Uh, did, did, did it surprise you that another team beat them to the punch? Do you think they would have actually done it? I was surprised. Um I mean, because like boycotts don't happen, and especially in a playoff setting, it just doesn't happen. So even even when you heard the the players say we're considering this, it was still you you felt like it was a long shot, and I I thought it made it even more powerful that the Bucks didn't share their plan beforehand, and that they instead of going out for their game, they stayed in the locker room, and then they came out with a statement that addressed the actions they actually wanted to see happen. And I, I think for a lot of players, they were just shattered after seeing the Jacob Blake shooting video. It was disgusting. And and all these players, I think they've, they've realized that what they've done so far hasn't been enough. Just talking about things in a press conference isn't going to be enough. And as much as they've done to raise awareness – for all these repeated injustices, they want to do more. And I think, I think it's unfair that they're the ones who are, who feel forced to put all this action into, into place. But I also think it's, it's really powerful that the players have come together and they all feel this way. And I think being in a bubble during this time for the players has been really tough. I know that some of the Celtics players considered leaving the bubble. I know that Jalen Brown said he wanted to go out and protest. Like it is really tough to be trapped in Orlando when you want to see your loved ones, you want to be in your community, you want to be out there, you know, being part of this movement. And so that, that added another layer of frustration and emotion for players during this. And I I just think like we talked about it, when the NBA came back, having Black Lives Matter on the court, having the stuff on the back of your jersey, all that stuff is nice, but it doesn't do what the players want it to accomplish, which is real change. And, and I think the players have realized that, and I, I I hope that they use this as an opportunity to to further the change that some of the players have already started to make. 
Yeah, completely. I mean, Andrew, you know, I we've heard some of the reporting from last night's players meeting, which was almost, I think, three hours long, um, in which there were some players upset with the Bucks, right? Like, hey, because the Bucks didn't run this by anybody. The Bucks just decided to kind of on the spot that they were gonna they were gonna do this, and they went they went to the arena with the intention to play. And then as they talked, and you know, they have a player, Sterling Brown, who two and a half years ago was harassed by police in Wisconsin, tased, brutal, like you know, brutalized. Like it, this is this is something that isn't just like oh, it happened in their backyard. It happened to one of their players. Like you know, they John Henson when he played for the team had the cops called him in, on him in in a jewelry store, and like they like this stuff is not just real to them, but it, it it's in their locker room, and so. You know, they they kind of acted, reacted emotionally, and and decided to take a stand, and and then it kind of forced the hand of other teams to follow suit. And I I believe that upset the players just because they wanted to talk about this as a union. It's a reason you have a players union, right? And so you know there was some of that, just like hey, you guys need to let us should have let us know. But you know, ultimately, I think everyone is glad that it happened, and or at least for the most part, is glad that it happened, and and that it's you know maybe going to lead to something really good but the thunder were one of those teams right thunder i mean the thunder had no choice but to to sit out just like the rockets just like the lakers and blazers and magic just because like what are you going to do at that point like all right they they didn't play but we we got you guys like we're coming up next yeah i mean chris paul's the president of the players union and you think this goes yeah. down and, and he, he's not getting ready for the rockets game there's no way there's no way that it was they even consider playing after what happened with the bucks and so i I ultimately wonder a little bit in all of this, like how satisfied some of these guys are, like a George Hill. Like how satisfied are you that we're talking about playing on Saturday, possibly? Because I, I just, whenever this all happened, I thought, oh boy, like what are the, there's going to be massive ripple effects somehow with this. And what are they going to be? And I thought, I mean, it was possible that they didn't play playoff games, but they decided pretty quickly to come back and play. So I just wonder how satisfied these guys are or how, how motivated they are to, to work kind of behind the scenes now. Because uh, with resuming play, you have to work behind the scenes. You can say stuff at press conferences, sure. Like, it's great, it's motivational. But, like, how are you really going to create change? And I just I just wonder how satisfied these guys are. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, I I I reacted to the news today that they were, you know, they were coming back either Friday or or Saturday and to be honest, like I was a little disappointed, right? Like it, and now granted, like I don't know the details of anything that's going on sure. inside of that. I don't know what uh, what they've been able to talk about with um with the board of governors. I don't know you know, what progress they made, you know, the Bucks got, the Bucks had like a two hour conversation with the Lieutenant governor and of Wisconsin and the attorney general Mo, right? right. Like, like they, like they got people of power in their state on the phone and not just like, we don't like this. It was, how do we get change? Cause I think that's the other bullshit thing that happens is they make this stance and then people are like, well, what do they want to happen? What's their plan? It's not on them to have a plan necessarily. It's on them to get notice and to get attention to like, Hey, this shit's happening. We needed to stop. The lawmakers whose job is to make it a stop, what are you going to do about it? Right? Like that's the, that's kind of what happens. So there's been a bunch of mixed emotions just in me uh, personally like viewing this because at first I, I was kind of like, it feels like they're coming back too soon. But I also don't know what an appropriate amount of time is for them to be away. I mean it's it's hard because like let's just be honest, right? Any fix to this is not quick, right? It's no. It's not a snap of the fingers and okay, we're good. You know, and, and it's difficult in, in that sense. You know, the the one thing it seems the Bucks players came away from this is realizing they said it in their statement, you know, the governor of Wisconsin has been trying to get the state legislature to come back so they could vote on a police reform bill, you know, and, and get to work. And I think that was something that the the Bucks players it, it seemed like a lot of them weren't aware of and it felt like this is something that an actionable item for them to try to push for and things like that. And I think it's just a matter of right now that everybody's got to be involved and this is for everybody. It's an everyday thing. It's, you know, it's every vote. It's being aware of who you're voting for and, and all of those things. And I know people go like, Oh, well, voting doesn't change things. All of this has an effect and it's, but it's a slow change. It's not going to happen overnight. This isn't going to be, you know, we're going to be dealing with this for the next few years, if not 
decades trying to fix this. So, you know, the idea is just to keep the spotlight on it. And I think that's where they succeeded, Zach. And, you know, seeing them come back, the news was was a little bit surprising. But at the same time, too, I said, you know, they kind of accomplished what they needed to. Everybody's talked about it. Everything stopped. And everybody was forced to talk about it. It was on every platform. It was across, you know, it wasn't just sports platforms. It was on the news. It was CNN. It was Fox News, whatever. It's it's all of those. Everybody was talking about it. They they kind of accomplished that at least. And now it's times to find like what's the concrete steps forward. And I think that's that's just going to be a challenge that they're going to have to figure out with their teams, with the owners you know, moving forward, but there's no quick fix. I don't think you're going to come up with an answer in 24 hours of what your next right. steps are. Like, this is something that you really need to brainstorm, sit and plan for, I mean, weeks and weeks. Right. I mean, Jay, not to, not to throw another brag in here, but, uh, I was talking to my girlfriend. Yesterday Shocking. When all this stuff happened and, uh, was that before or after your paid radio hit? <laughs> that was before the paid radio hit. So, okay. you know, uh, but no, but I, I, when she asked me what's going to happen, I, and I, my reaction was, the season's over. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know, like, obviously an overreaction, but, like, I, I really thought, like, oh, they're done. Like, they're going to make a point here. This is, like, this is not going, because I didn't see how it could end anytime soon. Now, clearly, you know, I don't even know if you want to say cooler heads have prevailed, but, like, they're formulating ways to, to satisfy all parties here and try to put pressure on the Board of Governors to to use their wealth and their connections to make real progress and real change. And I don't, and like Mo said, it's, that's a long process. That is not something that gets done, you know, by labor day. Like that's, this is going to be years and years and years and years if, if it happens at all. But I legitimately thought this stuff was over. Yeah. And I, I, I'm still curious to see what the next step of this is because Right now, we haven't heard what the players demanded. We haven't heard what the players want from the owners and the league. And we haven't heard exactly how the league and owners responded to the protests. And I think that's that's the piece of this that that the players are really working toward is to get the owners on board and to get them to put money and and more than money their influence into voting reform police reform all the social justice issues that have that players have been talking about since they got into the Orlando bubble and i i think the players like i said before that they, they just they figured talking wasn't enough anymore and i i know that that everyone saw the protests i know that that grabbed everyone's attention but to me the important part is what happens next and and it's it's hard to hold players to that standard like to for them to change the country in ways that politicians have failed and failed to do for hundreds of years but they've become they've positioned themselves as the leaders and they've taken hold of that and they want that and so I, I'm interested to see what, what happens next, what change they do make. Um, so we do have some uh, some reporting from Taylor Rooks of Bleacher Report um, over the last couple hours. She said she's been told that Dwayne Wade has been actively involved and connected in the conversation calls here in Orlando. Players actively seeking a variety of voices from inside and outside the bubble. Uh, also that the joint call with the owners just concluded and that was – uh, roughly an hour ago, sources say that players had a list of important things. They want organizational changes, including dedicated coalition with full-time job to manage the issues, voting, police reform, etc., wanting to be proactive instead of reactive. Also, Michael Jordan, this has been also reported by um, by Jackie McMullen of ESPN. Uh, he's taken a strong posi- position to help owners see different points of views. Uh, he's kind of been, I think Jackie McMullen put it as the liaison between the players and the in the board of governors because he's been both right. <laughs> he's, the owner, he's the governor of the Charlotte Hornets and he's the greatest player of all time. Sorry, LeBron fans. Uh, just, um, and uh, he wasn't speaking as an owner or even a player. He's been speaking as a black man. 
And then uh, she put out not too long ago, less than an hour ago, sources say LeBron James was the last player to speak on the call and he delivered a strong, thoughtful message to the owners. His main point was that he, that the work has to continue and the owners to true have to truly dedicate uh, to advancing this cause. And so I think guys like anybody can jump in here. Like I think the, the question is just always what's next. And look, Betsy DeVos, one of the owners of, uh, of the Orlando Magic, is the department of is the Secre- the leader of the department or secretary of education, of education right? Yeah. Um, seems like they like she would have a pretty quick line to a lot of lawmakers if you're the secretary of education. Um, we have people who have received a lot of money um, from cities to build arenas. We have people who have donated to heavy lawmakers, lobbyists, all this stuff, right? Jade, forgive me. I'm going to drop a name here. I was talking to Lenny Wilkins, Hall of Famer. I don't know if you heard of him on the radio yesterday. So many humble brags uh, today. Yeah. Uh, now, this wasn't a paid radio hit, Jade. You this sound was like just, Michael Wilbur. <laughs> this is just a radio uh, job that I did yesterday. I was talking to Lenny Wilkins, and Lenny Wilkins was a part of the 1964 All-Star Game where they almost boycotted. Right? They were going to boycott because the league was not recognizing the Players Association. We talked and we asked about what that was you know, what that was like. And he said, well, right before the game, they promised that in June they were going to take care of the pensions. They were going to take care of setting up all this stuff. And, um, and so when they said that the players decided, okay, it's good enough. We're going to go out and and play the all-star game. And my question to him was, why did you trust them? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, why did you trust them? Granted, that's a long time ago, but I look at the owners today and I'm like, I don't trust these dudes. But you trust them because they trust that you could do it again if you feel the need. I guess, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that's the like, hey, we can stop this at any time. We can walk away. So I think, like, the problem isn't that isn't only that the owners haven't done enough for the social justice movement. It's that in some cases they actively oppose what the players are searching for, and so it it's going to take honestly changing the minds of some of these owners uh, who have in some cases donated to Donald Trump in some cases donated to causes that directly conflict with what the players want to now get those guys on your side. Yeah. And so, so that, that's the thing, like the owners, they try to throw, what was it? $300 million. Like, yeah, just, just throw money at it and it'll go away. Like, no, like use your influence. These your league is built on successful black men who in a lot of cases made it out of extremely difficult circumstances. You should be helping the young black child so that they don't have to face such difficult circumstances. And I think that's what the players really want from this protest is to get the owners on their side, to get the league to do more and to help them with with all these causes that that they've picked up and picked up strongly. Yeah, there's some owner some owners that have begged Donald Trump for money recently. Begged. Tell me, Virginia. <laughs> One thing I'd like to see the NBA do because whenever we get to a normal schedule and that could be 2035 for all we know, but whenever we have games in November, I'd really like for the league to just make it mandatory that on election day, there are no games played on election day. There are stadiums are required to be open to be polling stations. Practice facilities are required to be open for polling stations. Like let's help with that. Let's help with the voting kind of get involved in that. And that's just a small thing. That's, and I know some teams are doing it. Some aren't, but I, I think that's just a small step. They need to do several more, but it's for them. They should just make it a point of like, we're not playing games this day. Voting matters. Every time, you know, uh, Doc Rivers does a press conference. He ends with, with, you know, vote and he's wearing the mask that says vote. I mean, it's extremely important. And I think that's just a one thing they can do. I mean, they got to do several other things to get involved, but I think that's something I, I it seems like it would be pretty easy to fix and something they could even set up right away. Yeah, let's throw a back-to-back, extra back-to-back in there to make it work, right? Well, I think they should have less games, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I guess, Andrew, like, what do you 
What do you expect out of the tone of these games this weekend, whether that's Friday or Saturday? Like, just obviously this stuff's going to be addressed pre and post game. Obviously, it's going to be addressed on the broadcast. It's going to be a heavy part of the conversation, as it should be. But I'm curious if it's going to look a little awkward at first for whatever reason. Like, I don't, like, I don't, I just don't see how you can have your head in the game with this. Yeah, it does seem to complicate things. I, I honestly just assume it's going to be more of the same though. Like this, I think that we, we thought that the bubble would be weird and it ended up not being weird. It actually ended up being like really good basketball. And so to me, I expect good basketball again. And I expect maybe a more focused effort post game uh, from all players to like, this is, these are the ways that we can actually make an impact. And here are the ways that we can help fans make an impact as well. Because we know people are watching. We know people are listening. And so we need to have a focused effort. And so we may see more of that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, I hope that like this was kind of my concern. And I guess the concern of many um, going into this was, well, not even, even before we were going into this, it was when the George Floyd stuff happened, right? And you had like two really intense weeks, at least Mo, at least here in LA, two really intense wow. weeks. <laughs> and then it, and then it kind of fizzled, yeah. right? Like I, like, I don't think it, I don't think people have stopped being activists. I don't think it's gone away, but keeping up that kind of intensity is really difficult for a society. Yeah, I didn't. Right. Like it's like, it's asking a lot, but at the same time, you don't want to feel like it's been forgotten just because cool sports back. Yeah. It was one of those things where it kind of fizzled even before sports came back. I mean, you know, you touched on it, Zach, like, look for like two, maybe even three weeks in LA, it was really intense. And like, I mean, hell, we were all texting each other, checking on each other, like be home by curfew, curfews this time, you know, and things like that. And it was crazy intense, but it's, been I mean, it was lighter by the time we hit July, like before games even started and things like that. So I don't know how much, you know, like, God, it's tough. Like, I don't know how much sports distra- distracts. I mean, it, sure, it does to a degree, but it's it's on us to keep it in the limelight and to continue to push it. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't feel like this is at all over. I feel like we're going to see some players do some stuff i think during games i don't know what but like i wouldn't be surprised to see something yeah i don't know what the i don't know if anything else extreme is probably not the right word for it but like mets and marlins tonight they went out there they went out there like they were going to play and then everyone went on the field for 42 seconds of silence in honor of jackie robinson and then they all left the field like i think we i think we could see if they don't feel like they're getting answers the right answers from the you know, from the the board of governors, like I, Jay, I think we could see them line up for a tip, the ball go in the air, and everyone just walk away. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think this is necessarily over. I think if you're an owner, you have to realize these players could do this again at any moment, and I, I think that's that's part of the reason why players going back to work, like I don't think that eliminated the pressure on the owners. I don't think it eliminated the pressure on the league. I think the owners in the league now know players can do this at any time they want. And if they do, there's nothing the league can do about it. There is nothing the owners can do about it except try to respond in a way so that players will then feel comfortable playing basketball again. And so I don't don't want to call it a threat, but I, I don't think the the possibility of another boycott is 0%. Like if if owners don't take this seriously, if the league doesn't hop on board, then then I, I wouldn't be totally stunned if if we see something similar again. And maybe maybe I'm crazy for thinking that, but no, I think you're right. I, mean, I, I think that's the way you have to approach it because this is the other thing. Like I mean even the DeVos family put out like, "Hey, we're with you. We're with you." We we we're standing by your side. Like we agree with everything you're saying. And I'm like, well, historically, not so much. I don't think that's actually that's family. But okay, maybe I'm, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wrong on this. I don't know. I'm not in that family. I don't know. But just you know, kind of going off the history of what you guys have done. It doesn't feel like a totally genuine thing. But every every team and every ownership group has to support them publicly at this point. Yeah, but now they may not do anything with that. But they but like you. 
like it's almost just a reflex at this point. Yeah, no, you touched on it, Zach, but like I think the players want to see them do something. I think the play that's kind of what the players are asking for, right? Is like some sort of action from ownership. I mean, we saw all the statements minus the Knicks for the during the George Floyd stuff, and everybody was coming out with statements, and it took the Knicks several weeks later to to finally figure that out. But you know, I think they want to see some sort of action. They're tired of just the statements, you know, and and stuff. So they're they're looking for actions, and I think that's kind of an important aspect to this whole thing. And I think Jay, you're, you're completely right in the sense of it's not 0% that these guys can just say like, screw this, we're out, you know, and there's a possibility that there's another situation that pops off somewhere in the next, what what we got six more weeks of the season. If we start playing again, you know, they, they have to be ready for how they're going to handle it. And they players need to feel like the owners in the league has their back. And I think that's kind of what they're looking for. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, so let's say, let's say games are back tomorrow. We're gonna go. We're gonna seamlessly transition from very serious <laughs> social subjects: police brutality, oppressive system, racial injustice, basketball. Can you throw another humble brag in there? Maybe a name drop. Uh, you know, actually, let me think of one. It would be more. Um, it's more impressive that during the serious stuff, he was throwing in humble brags, and if he throws none in during the basketball stuff, it's going to be kind of amazing. I mean, I think Tuesday I've got like a sponsored stay in Joshua Tree Tuesday night. Jay, um, he's turned into an influencer. That's it. He's practically a, yeah. he's he doesn't look like one, but he's practically an Instagram model. Yeah, he's he's the voice I mean, of the athletic. He was like that. All the all I'm that the voice police of the brutality, yeah, motherfucker. What are you talking about? Did you guys hear that I talked to Lenny Wilkins? (laughs) Not to brag, I talked to Stan Van Gunner today on the radio. If if you wanted me to throw that one in there. I mean, I've had a phone call with Stan recently, so if we're going to. Yeah, but people heard mine. He just one-upped you. (laughs) No, no, but see, here's the thing, Zach. I get to have private conversations with him. Yeah, but I got paid to do it. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Fine. <laughs> Fine. This feels like an awful transition, by the way, to real basketball. This is not what I intended. Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. And the Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. It's got a ceramic blade and skin safe technology, so your snags will be reduced. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Keep yourself manicured, keep yourself looking good. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. You can hear my dog barking. He loves it so much. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the code THEATHLETIC20 and take your grooming game to the next level. And we'll be right back after more words from our sponsors. <laughs> um, Andrew, what's it going to look like? Game 5. Rockets Thunder. Oh boy! I mean this this series has has been a, a doozy so far, and it's just comical to me that everything hinges on Lou Dort, this 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 undrafted rookie <laughs> who was playing in the G League for a majority of the year, but he's really just been that good on defense. And so, to me, a lot of the rest of the series hinges on how much is Billy Donovan willing to play small, because I think they've found yeah. something. It took them a while to find it. Uh, most of the fan base and almost all of Reddit was talking about this small ball lineup weeks before the playoffs started. And uh, it takes Billy Donovan a, a minute to get there, but he finally got there. He's playing a little bit more every game. And so I'm really curious to see how much they play that lineup because it really changes a lot. And to Dort's credit, a lot of people think of Dort as like a, another Andre Robertson just because he's a defender that doesn't shoot threes very well. Uh, but he's right. a, he's different in that he can handle the ball, he can he sets really good screens, and he can pass it. And those things, to me, are keep him in the game and keep him more involved in the offense rather than, oh, and he also makes his free throws, which Andre Robertson still petrified to go to yeah, the free throw line. Uh, Lou Dort right. is not. So to me, it all hinges on how much can they play the small ball lineup? How much will they? And if, and if they're willing to play it a considerable amount, I would, I would favor the thunder going forward. 
Yeah, Mo, do you think that they can close the dort on Houston? Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Lenny Wilkins would have slapped you. <laughs> yeah, around. like that. We should just hang up. Um, <laughs> I I don't know if they can. I mean, I still think that this thing is going to go seven. I think it's a, a, a constant battle. There are things that I like that the Rockets have done. Like I've been surprised how well Eric Gordon has been able to get to the rim, you know, and, and, and open up the, the paint a little bit. And that opens up kickouts and things like that for other guys. Cause that was something I thought they were going to miss with Russell Westbrook out. And now there's a possibility that Westbrook might even return, even though we don't know what that's going to look like. I honestly, I think it's just going to come down to, you know, can the Rockets hit enough threes? I mean, they were doing pretty well the first three quarters and then that fourth quarter came and I think they were like four for 19 in game game four. And I think that's just kind of, you know, of course, this is the way the Rockets seem to play. They go through these streaks. wild, wild that they took 19 three-pointers in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Not for the Rockets. Not for the Rockets anymore. Like what a crazy, like I I love it, but oh my, it just, that sounded weird. This is the one team you can play for, Zach. (laughs) They still shot. That's why I think 39% though. And they are, it was crazy. Going into that game, they were 19 and 0 when they shot 38.5% and above. And somehow, I I didn't think it was possible. I thought if you put the number at 23s made, there's zero chance the Thunder win if the Rockets make 23s. And somehow the Thunder eked out a win where they made 20. And can they, another question is, can the, you said it, Mo, can the Rockets continue to make 23s per game? Yeah, they'll just shoot 70 over. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's not about it's, it's, it's the efficiency of it. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's why I think Russell Westbrook getting him back beyond the, the obvious talent level, especially compared to a lot of the guys that the Rockets play, just the fact that he's another guy who creates, who can get them easier points, who can get them points at the rim so that they don't have to make 40% of 63s to, to score enough points. And, I, I just think they need Westbrook back. Um, and then, obviously, other than that, like, they don't have a, a rim threat. They don't have, like, a lob option. They don't have any of those other ways besides just Harden getting his to get those rim points that, that Westbrook thrives on. And so they've missed him a lot. And then at the other end, it's just really tough to switch against a team that has three guards like Paul, Schroeder, and Shea Gilgis. Like when you have three guys that can get to the paint like that, it's it's really hard to switch everything against them. And and we've seen that in, in some of these games. I know it worked last game. I would still live by hey, Dennis Schroeder can beat us. Yeah. Like yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> like you go ahead, Denny. Like I'll let's see what you get. Let's see if you got it every single game. Just cause I, I think that I don't know that I want Shea building confidence throughout the series and Chris Paul, like I know he's had some historic flubs in the in the playoffs before, but I just look between him and Dennis, I, I'll take I'll take Dennis trying to. Yeah, and the, but the other thing too is the Rockets have done it. Excuse me, the Thunder have done a good job late in games targeting James Harden in the pick and roll. Like they're just looking for that switch and attacking him. And we saw Chris go blow right by him on one play, hit a mid range shot right in his eye. Another play like that's the target they want. They're going to have to get a little bit better defense from James on the perimeter. If they're going to have a, a chance there. Yeah. The beauty of the thunder is that they don't have to rely on Dennis Schroeder from night to night, but they, they, they find the hot hand and then they create good shots for them in the fourth quarter. It's mostly been Chris Paul late in games in the fourth, but it can be Schroeder. Also, do we call him Shea Gilgis? I just didn't know. I just never heard that. No, of course not. No, Jay completely just like brain farted on that and then just (laughs) forgot the Alexander. (laughs) It's funny. It's hard. Three names, man. Like we don't. Come on, guys. Just two. If you ever listen to the Thunder broadcast, if you ever listen to the Thunder broadcast, they do. um, One of the broadcasters calls him Shea Gilgis Alexander and not Shea Shea Gilgis Alexander. So why would you put that emphasis on there? That's so weird. (laughs) Got to stand out. The guy's trying to stand out, Zach. I approve it. I guess so. Um, hey, Celtics Raptors is going to happen eventually, I think, maybe. Uh, Jay, how are we feeling about this this series with uh, – well, I guess you could listen to anything that's potable when I was on there because you and I talked about that with, with uh, Jam. But uh, 
how do we feel about this? How any updates? Any like any changes in your analysis of the Celtics team going against the Raptors? I'm just so excited for this series. I've been so excited for this series for like the last five years since Isaiah <laughs> Thomas and Demar Derozan were <laughs> battling it out, and it just never happened. And I'm until the one now. humble bragging. I, the uh, <laughs> I just I just love the versatility of both teams and how the defenses scramble around and double team and they're all there's so many smart players in the series the raptors are one of my favorite teams to watch van vliet is way up there among my my favorite players uh lowry same thing he's just such a competitor hopefully he's he's healthy uh i'm sure it, it didn't hurt him to get a couple extra days of rest for that sprained ankle but yeah i'm just i'm really interested to see the the clash between the Raptors defense and the Celtics offense, which has really been awesome in the bubble with Jason yeah. Tatum playing well and Kemba Walker looking as healthy as he did earlier in the season. Hey Jay, let me ask you though, what are your concerns with Hayward out? Cause like for me, the worry has been yes. like, you're going now you're you've weakened your bench already. Cause you got to start Marcus, uh, Marcus smart and, and deal with all of that. Like where, <laughs> what do you think? What's your concern about that? I mean, that's a major concern for the Celtics because, I mean, against the Sixers, you can get away with playing a Romeo Lankford, Grant Williams. You can get away with playing me against the Sixers the way they played in the playoffs. Very, very fair. Um, I, I'm hearing you, but, Zach. <laughs> but the the Raptors, they really do an incredible job of helping off the weak links. And that's that's where it's going to get get tough for the Celtics. So Hayward's, Hayward's absence... I don't think it really impacts the starting lineup much at all. Marcus marches slides in for him. Where it really matters is that bench cannot shoot. I think if if the Celtics can get like even two three-pointers out of Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, Brad Wanamaker per game, that's a big deal for them just because it, it takes a little pressure off the main guys. But Kemba, Tatum, and, and Brown, are, they're going to have to average like 70 points a game. And they did against Philadelphia, but but Toronto is not Philadelphia, and I think they'll be they'll punish the Celtics a lot more for playing those bench guys. And Brad played a lot of bench lineups with like Tatum and a bunch of bench guys in the first round. I don't think he can do that. I think he has to limit the bench. I think he has to really make sure that that the Celtics have at least two of their starting wings and guards on the court at all times because they they're going to need shooters and playmakers on the court and their bench just doesn't have any i'm just sick of us protecting brad stevens here like he has carson edwards just play carson edwards okay i love carson edwards you're podcasting wearing a carson edwards jersey i don't know if anybody knows oh my god but i love carson edwards like this guy is so fun I don't care how I don't care what he shot this season. Like that guy can put him up. <laughs> can he make he him? He can put him up. He hasn't put him in yet. As well, an, he didn't even put him in in the G League. Much like Grant Williams, he just saved all his makes for the postseason. We just got to see him in the games. Grant Williams is has never missed a playoff three pointer. That's true. That's a fun yeah. fact. <laughs> is it a fun fact? I don't know. About he went over twenty six to start his regular season career. I'm I'm pretty positive he's going to go twenty six for twenty six to start his playoff career. So, Felt like one do you have the tweet though. ready already in your draft, Jay, for one he does miss? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually every time he makes one, I'm like, yep, Grant Williams has never missed the three points. <laughs> um, so at, at one point, that'll get old. Bucks, Bucks will, yeah, yeah, it will get old at one point. Uh, Bucks <laughs> are going to beat the the Magic. I don't think we have any reservations about that, right? Uh, I believe Dame has left Orlando, so Blazers, unless Anthony Simons becomes Anthony Hardaway, I think he, I think we're safe in saying the Lakers are going to move on. Does anybody have hope that the Mavericks can make this a series after what we saw in Game Five? I don't think so. I think it's their 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 runs up, especially if there's questions of whether Porzingis plays or not. You know, there's there's yeah. a big difference. This is kind of weird, and this has been my experience even when I was working with teams. 
Like when there's a late scratch humble of a brag. star player, yeah, no, no, forget humble brag, just full on no, brag. brag. You know, I, I, I happen to work for the San Antonio Spurs and the Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> also worked for Team Australia for those. Oh, that so you know. got a ring? You got a ring with the Spurs? Uh, no, I didn't. Don't. Oh, all those championships, none of them came with you. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, now you're just oh, now okay. you're just being wow, hateful. Was- <laughs> now you're just being mean, and I do not appreciate this. <laughs> One, I know that's not true. I know <laughs> that was cold blooded. Yeah, I'm just gonna go cry in the corner. For for a little bit but the, the the how quickly after you work for them did they get back on top Ooh, uh two years afterwards i, I all right it, okay it wasn't the next year so that's it, well that was the thing i was definitely not rooting for them the next year to win it. I, said, that was, I just there has to it's a one-year moratorium and also the same for when i was let go with the clippers the next year they were not allowed to win the championship and then they lost well, to the rockets after they're they, not allowed to win the championship <laughs> but as i was saying was you know when you the late scratch just before a game somehow always screws up the other team you would think like oh their star player is not playing. Great. We got, we, we have this. And it leads to you just kind of not putting enough pressure on that team. And so now when they know going forward, Porzingis is probably not playing, they're in a, a better situation. I think this thing's over. Yeah, I agree. Also, like how, how real is this Trey Burke experience? Like I, I he scored 25 points in the game that they won. Like how, how many See, more Trey yeah, this, Burke games do we have? It's real enough. This is what I'm it's talking about. It's real enough the Sixers should be ashamed. <laughs> if, if Tra- well, that's there's a lot of reasons they should be ashamed. But Andrew, this is the thing. Like, I'm not allowed to believe in Carson Edwards, but we're gonna we're gonna Tinkerbell clap for Trey Burke every night. Like, come on, he plays Zach. He plays. He gets minutes exactly at least. because Brad Stevens is a coward. <laughs> <laughs> He's afraid to win. I'll just say it. How do you think that goes over in the interviews? <laughs> <laughs> Someone get me in that bubble right now. I'm going to tell him to his face. <laughs> socially acceptable, six feet apart. Um, I think I think Luca wasn't Luca wasn't right in Game Five either. He was he was hobbling around. He was wincing. He wasn't 100 percent healthy. It looked like the ankle, which he obviously had an incredible game on in game four yeah but you can play off that it, adrenaline right like it like to keep that up for multiple games on a bad ankle I, that's just unreasonable yeah it if he's and if he's not 130 percent then then they're, they're they don't have enough they never had enough in the first place but it was it was fun when when they kept it a close series uh what else we got oh oh denver Versus Utah. Jamal Guys. Murray, man. Let me tell you this. <laughs> Let me tell you what this. the hell got into Jamal Murray? Must win game for both teams the rest of the way. If the Jazz lose game six, they're out. They're going to lose game seven. I guarantee that. Yeah. Does that guarantee mean anything? Probably not. <laughs> Is this like a Charles Barkley guarantee? guarantee? Are you are you betting? Uh, no, more? I actually get those right every once in a while. Every once in a while. <laughs> every once in a while, right? <laughs> you know what's did funny? Is the I was Blazers the- getting to the finals this year? He did. He, he, he did. He did say that going into he the just playoffs. Says shit, oh. just say it. This is. I don't know why anyone gets mad at what he says. He's just saying it to get a reaction. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yes, Zach. To answer your question, I think it's all the pressures on the Jazz in Game Six. I think so. Like even though even without home court advantage, all this stuff. Like, also, can you get Jamal Murray to cough it up once? <laughs> Ninety two points on you with no turnovers. <laughs> well, they they started attacking the the bad players on the Jazz, and it worked. Imagine, imagine that. I know. <laughs> it only took Michael Malone five games to figure that out. This is, speaking of attacking bad players, Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> defensively is something. He's something special. Holy. He's one of the worst defenders you will ever see in an NBA playoff game, and he's he's talented enough offensively. They almost have to put him on the court. I I thought them going to PJ Dozier down the stretch was actually really important for them. In, that is a sentence. Wow. I mean, that's just. Yeah, that is. That's, <laughs> but, but it's not wrong. I know it's not wrong. I know it's not. As, a, as, a, uh, right, as someone yeah, who yeah. watched him on the blue, I know, but that's. <laughs> that is just crazy. Yeah. You're right, though. Yeah. And, and Jamal Murray, what? Like, I've never been a big believer in Jamal Murray. I've always thought he was like sort of an 
empty calories player who looked a lot better because he was with Jokic, the greatest passing big man probably who ever lived, maybe Bill Walton. But he's made me a believer, man. That that dude is a gamer. That dude wants every big shot. And he hasn't missed like basically all series. <laughs> only reason only reason they're still in the bubble right now is because he gives a shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like yeah. that's it. Like he carried that team across the finish line. Yeah, he's been phenomenal. I mean, just but it's always been like crunch time too. It's when they mo- need him the most. Yeah, he just shows up. Remember, like game one, it wasn't like he was having a a great game the whole way through. He right. he just got going in the fourth quarter in overtime. And this has actually been a really fun series because we kind of had a shootout between him and Donovan Mitchell, I think. And God, it's going to annoy me to say this, but I think Zach tweeted it out when he said, like, I'm good with it just being a one-on-one full court game between the two yeah. of them. Fuck these other guys. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Let's just watch these two go one-on-one. That's all I care about. I mean, and, and also we got to we gotta mention, because he brought up Porter's defense, it was nice of him to – Aid in the uh, Mitchell's new poster. <laughs> that Ooh, dunk was why you, would, why you would ever jump with that guy is out of like beyond me. That was. I know but he's six ten. I always respect the guys who jump. Yeah, but he's never res- jumping again, Jay. <laughs> but he didn't jump out of courage. He jumped out of stupidity. <laughs> yeah, that that is fair. He. He never has any idea what he's doing on that side of the court. Right, exactly. <laughs> he's just Mr. Magoo through a construction site. Like, he has no idea how he is just narrowly escaping death at, a, at all moments. Do you think he could Before, ever figure it out? To not be, like, a great defender, but just be in net zero defensively? Yeah, of course. I mean, he's a rookie. Like, anyone expecting a rookie to be competent in playoff basketball when they barely played all season, like, I think that's unreasonable. I think we forget, like, how bad and dumb rookies are. In the but he's things. pretty bad and dumb, <laughs> even on the rookie scale. I was about to say, Lou Dort's <laughs> looking pretty good out there right now, man. <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah, his but- only job, right? Like, that's the, on- the only reason Lou Dort's in the league is because he can play defense. And he defends yeah. and, and at a very high level, though. Like, he's... Yeah, he's outrageous for sure. Yeah, but that got him in the league Order. in terms of what Zach's saying. Like that was his. It, he didn't get in the league as a scorer. Oh no! Like, I mean, he barely got in the league. He was undrafted, right? Yeah. It does make you wonder about Porter's future, though. Like, he has to get so much better defensively, but he's six ten, and and he like that helps. Yeah. <laughs> that helps a lot, and I think like eventually he'll probably just be a a stretch four type who guards fours, doesn't necessarily switch onto ones, twos, and threes. I don't think he'll ever be a great defender, but he cannot be as bad as he well, is right now. He's been so bad. We just stopped automatically switching everything every time for no reason. Oh, I'm off on switch. Like maybe, this, maybe get a dude to fight through a screen one time. Like here's the thing about switching that's really annoying. It's it's lazy switches kill you, and that's what we see ninety percent of the times, right? Yeah. Like the reason why it worked for the Warriors. Besides the fact that you're switching from one good defender to a potential defensive player of the year, you know, across the board, it's, is that they did it hard. You know, when they switched, the guy who was switching was engaged. They knew what was going on. You know, now we see it all the time. We're like one guy switching, the other guy's not. Somebody slips to the rim and is wide open. Sometimes they both leave the ball, which is just asinine. Like just, a lot of times we're just seeing switching return to just being lazy defense and it's getting really pathetic. While we're still on Nuggets jazz, I just want to shout out to Max Kellerman who said he believes Donovan Mitchell versus Jamal Murray is the only real rivalry right now in the NBA and could become the new Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. Wow. That any of that what? even mean? Wow. That was the most stunning take I've heard. This <laughs> is... In the last 150 years. That's uh, that's that's quite a – give him 20 minutes though, Jay. I'm sure he'll come up with something else. I've literally <laughs> – I've watched that clip on Twitter like 10 times just because I needed a laugh over I'll, the last couple of days. Here's an idea for Quinn Snyder who I think is a very good coach. Uh, you know that guy Jamal Murray who's like just destroying you right now in the fourth quarter? Maybe, maybe you double him and you make that other dude, P.J. Dozier, do something with the ball. <laughs> Just to, why is that not thing. happening? If they start throwing doubles, then they just have Jokic set the screen, and then they get Jokic rolling, and he's such a good passer, he'll just pick you apart. And I, I understand. So, like, 
there's a real downfall to doubling every time. And there's also a downfall to getting 50 put on your head every game without ever forcing a turnover. Right. But I get the the fact that he's reluctant to go to that just because Jokic is such a good passer. But can't you bring the double in a way where Jokic isn't the easy outlet on that pass? It, like if Jokic catches it on the second pass, okay, now you at least have a scramble back and guys have rotated. Like that's my point with with what Denver is allowed to do. Like you can defend in a way. Jamal Murray is – I know he hasn't turned the ball over in like four weeks, but like Jamal Murray's not a point guard. He's not a good playmaker for anybody but himself. Like I think you – I don't think it's hard to take away that pass to Jokic as the outlet on that. Yeah, but the the scrambling part of it's really difficult, Zach. In the first off, we don't know the way the the court's going to be situated with where guys are at and where you're you're coming from. But the other aspect of it is just the multiple efforts, and it's not about guys not knowing where they're going. There's always like a quick pause before a guy makes the next rotation. Like there's just some sort of hesitation with guys. And Jay, like this is something you see with the the Celtics. I don't see that with the Celtics. Like these dudes are always running to their next spot almost immediately and it's pretty impressive in that sense defensively from from oh, the jazz had a yeah. history of playing good defense recently you know it's i can't, can't remember last time they were great defense hmm. <laughs> certainly could have been as early as last year right <laughs> <laughs> but i'm just saying like it's a hard it's a hard thing i'm with you i think it's ultimately just mix it up man make him see different yes. things yes do something double a couple of times don't double once you know or, or for two possessions or, or go from a, a switch to a hedge or things like that and i think a lot of coaches on all of these series need to start kind of mixing these things up like we saw it in the clippers uh mav series you know for before game four or game five or whatever whatever one just happened they were just playing the same defense over and over again on luca and it didn't make sense so it's just, just right. all these coaches need to just start mixing it up here because these guys are too good you let them just kind of see the same thing all game they'll pick you apart by the fourth quarter the other part of it too is like he's he's hitting some ridiculous shots and and if you're looking at the number, like he shot 34.6% from the three-point arc this year. And so eventually you think these step-back threes are not going to fall anymore, but he's reached another level. I've, I've, I've more than earned respect for, for Jamal Murray this year. I never thought he had anything remotely close to this. And I watched him put 50 on the Celtics head. Oh, I've I've always been on Jamal Murray. He's a gunner. Anybody that's a gunner is Zach's guy. He's yeah. a gunner, and I'm a he's a gunner and a gamer too, which I, I like that combination. Yeah, a gunner, a gamer, and a grinner because he'll smile. <laughs> he's got the three G's. <laughs> yeah, three G's. That's what we call it. The highest grocery G's. games are gunner, gamer, grinner. <laughs> he forgot that Ripples last one. Time. <laughs> well, that screeching halt is good enough for the end of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Zach Harper for Jake King for Modak Hill for Andrew Schleck. Uh, thanks for subscribing to the podcast. Please leave a review if you're on one of those platforms where you can leave reviews and make it a nice one. Because, you know, why not? Why wouldn't you? Don't be a jerk. That's what I, it's our job to be the jerks. You guys don't be the jerks. You guys be and the humble brag. Another humble brag right there. Um, and also subscribe to the Athletic if you wouldn't if you wouldn't mind. If you can if you can find it in your in your abilities to do so, subscribe to the Athletic. Check out all the great coverage. From everybody on there, uh, wear a mask, be nice to each other. Please uh, stop being rude to other people. And uh, we'll catch you next time on The Athletic NBA Show.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.